because the reason why people do things, well, like a lot of things at once, is they're scared of losing out on what if one of these things is big, right? So they end up digging all these different holes because they don't want to leave potential loss on the table. It's rooted in psychology, right? People are more motivated by loss aversion than, yep. than going after the, the gains. But that's the reason why they don't succeed. Welcome back to From Poop to Gold. I'm Benton Crane, your co-host and the CEO of Harmon Brothers. Today I am here on location in Park City, Utah, right in the middle of a writing retreat for our client, Truvani. And here with me is Derek Halpern, the co-founder of Truvani, and Derek also leads all of the sales and marketing efforts. Welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm pumped to be here. Tell our listeners a little bit about Truvani and why, why it's so special. Truvani is special for one main reason. And it really centers down to the idea that when you pick up a product that you use every day and you flip it over and look at the ingredient label, you start to see ingredients in these products and you start to wonder why are they there. And our goal at Truvani is to create products that people use in their daily life when they flip over and see ingredients. They're like, oh, I know what that is. I know what that is. They don't need to go look up the chemical composition of something. They know what's in the product and they could feel safe knowing that this is using real ingredients, not these weird concoctions coming out of uh, labs, basically. So in the case of Truvani, it's a, it's a protein powder that is made up of five ingredients, and they're just five real ingredients, and it tastes good. Yes, so Truvani started out as a protein powder company, for sure. Like We had protein, turmeric, and other supplements, but we realized that it's actually bigger than that. It's not just protein powder. We also create deodorant, toothpaste, and all these other things. We're working together on the protein, mm -hmm. on our protein line. But when you look at our vanilla, for example, there's five ingredients in our vanilla protein powder. There's seven ingredients in our chocolate peanut butter. Mm -hmm. So it's between five and seven for the proteins. But if you look at other brands on the market, 30 ingredients. Yeah, half, of them, half of them don't even sound like food. Like you look at like a gums or flow agents or all these other things that get added into the product that have nothing to do with the person consuming the product. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I know at my house we're big into green smoothies, yeah. so that you know it's a it's an easier way to get your vegetables in. And the Truvani vanilla powder has been huge for us because it's just those five ingredients. You know exactly what it is. You don't have to worry about all the filler crap. Just put it in the, those green smoothies. It's delicious. Yep, and I think probably more than half of the people that use our protein add it to smoothies because everyone wants to, you know, a lot of smoothies are common, right? Everyone loves smoothies. Yep. But sometimes you want a smoothie, you have to just get a little bit more sustenance from the smoothie yep. so they, you're not going to throw chicken into a, a smoothie, <laughs> right, right. right? But you throw protein powder in there and it kind of gets a little bit more filling and it makes you, um, satisfies that craving throughout the day. That's right. Now, one of the things that we're always looking for at Harmon Brothers when, it, you know, it, it's pretty common knowledge that we see a lot of companies come across our desk, you know, in any given month. And so as we're looking at those and assessing which ones are, you know, the, the, the special ones that stand out from the rest, we're always looking for products that have super fans. Yeah. behind them you know the, these people who just get so passionate about the product that they like 
that they almost become like missionaries for the product where they're just out telling all their friends, telling their family and everything. We saw a lot of that with Truvani. Tell us a little bit about your super fans and, and, and what makes them so passionate about Truvani. It really comes down to what we stand for as a brand. People know that we have protein powder, deodorant, too. they know that we have all these different products. Our super fans are not always, they're not here for the product. They're here because we believe in ingredients. This was really spearheaded by my other co-founder, Vani, who, better known as the food babe, she has been an activist in the food industry for a while where she would kind of go after these big companies for putting garbage in their products, mm-hmm. do petitions, do all this crazy stuff to get these companies to change. And her and I used to joke about, you know, maybe one day we'll just stop getting big companies to change. We'll just make our own product, right? And you know, she was doing her activism, I was doing a different thing, but eventually uh, it all started where my uh, other co-founder now, Devin, there's three co-founders, me, Devin, and Vani. Uh, I'm at his lake house one summer and he was like, you know, I think I want to make a turmeric product. He saw a business opportunity with turmeric. He was like, do you want to do this? I'm like, turmeric? The hell do I know about turmeric? I've never, I've never taken turmeric before. It's and, generally a spice, right? Yeah. I've never taken this as a supplement. I've never even heard of it personally. I think I could probably sell it because, you know, I've been in marketing and sales my whole life. But I was like, you know what? Let's contact my friend Vani, who knows everything about food and ingredients and all this stuff. We call her up and she's like, you guys want to make a turmeric? What a weird coincidence. I take turmeric almost every day. And the turmeric I was taking got acquired by a big company. And the first thing they did was change the ingredients. I need a new turmeric. So I'm sitting there like, I don't know, I don't really believe in destiny or signs or any of that garbage, but at this moment, the stars aligned. I feel like there was three lightning strikes, right? My one friend who was saw an opportunity for a product and he wanted to do something new. I was in a position where I wanted to do something new, and she just lost her turmeric supplement. So that's kind of how it all comes to be is like this idea of crossing activism with business opportunities. So what does that mean for our super fans? Well, they know that we put ingredients first always. We don't just put it in our marketing or advertising. You could see it on our labels. And the people are coming to us because they trust us for ingredients. This is actually creating a lot of sideline benefits from a business perspective. One of the sideline benefits is that even when people try one of our products and let's say they don't like it, you know, it happens they're still willing to buy our other products because they don't hold it against us because they know we're doing the right thing with ingredients. So our super fans care about ingredients first. You'll notice in every piece of UGC for our protein, they'll be like, oh, Truvani's protein, I love it. They flip it over, look at the ingredients. They look at the, it's the first thing they mention. UGC, user-generated content, right? Yes. This, this is stuff that people are just saying without being asked to, right? That's right. They just pull, look at the ingredients. How cool is this? There's only five. There's only six. They get pumped. So that's kind of what brings them into the same space as us. From a business perspective, though, like you said, super fans are great. But what you don't know is that it's also pretty good for business, right? You know it's good for business. Mm-hmm. But we see repurchase rates from our customers that are two to three times higher than industry norm. One, because we have a good product. Two, because we have a good mission. And three, they want to support the the company that has a good product and a good mission. Got it. 
All right, let's talk a little bit about your journey. Uh-oh. I want to know the path that you've been down because you've been successful in other areas. Yes. You didn't have to do this, but you chose to. So tell us a little bit about how you got to this point today. So my mom stopped changing my diapers when I was, no. <laughs> no, so I've been in the online marketing space my whole adult life. That's just what I've been doing. And one of the things that I will say that prepared me for today is that I kind of specialized in acquiring users, like getting people to my website. And that started very early on where I, I had an entertainment website where the more traffic I got, the more money I made off ads. So I had to figure out how to make traffic yep. come to my site. You learn paid advertising that way. You learn search engine rankings that way. You yep. learn how to write content that way. You learn how to write viral content that way. And at the height, we were doing over 10 million visits a month. So that's like the traffic thing. Mm -hmm. Eventually, I realized that getting traffic and selling advertising is an okay business model. But I started to think, how much do the advertisers make? If they're paying me to advertise here, this is probably a better business when you own the product mm -hmm. because other people are doing the work. And I was like, okay, this is interesting. So I did my first affiliate offer for a teeth whitening offer. This is back in like 2008. Okay. And I put a link up and I sold so much teeth whitening stuff with this one link that I was like, wait a second. If I would have had an ad there, I would have only earned one-tenth of what I just earned. I was like, okay, I like products. That, that was like the genesis of me liking products. So that's kind of like an inflection point in your journey. Is realizing that I don't want to sell ads. I want to create my own product and sell products. Okay. I still knew how to do tra drive traffic. One of my friends had a software company. He brought me in as a traffic consultant to drive traffic for their SaaS. It was like a downloadable software that eventually mm -hmm. became you know, a yearly SaaS or whatever. And I realized that in that year that I worked with them, I was good at that too. I could drive traffic for anything, even software products. During that year, people kept hitting me up. They're like, hey, you know how to get customers. Can you teach me? Like, can you come speak at my event? Can you do this? Can you do that? And I was like, okay, this is interesting. I spoke at a few events and that's when I launched um, Social Triggers, which is, was like a marketing training site, which was what I did for about seven years of teaching marketing and training. Okay. So this happen. is like early 2010s. 2011 to 2018. Got it. But here's the thing. That was the expert industry. Even though social triggers was as big as it could get at the time, right? There was very few people that had larger marketing training sites than I did at that time. So like you were on par with, you know, the Ryan Dices of the world at, at, at that point or the Russell Brunsons of the, of the world. Uh, I didn't really measure myself against people. Like, I wouldn't say, um, what does on par mean? Uh, it, let, let's say... From, a, from an email subscriber standpoint, yeah, we, were, you know, we all had hundreds of thousands of subscribers. Got it. It wasn't small by any stretch of the imagination. And, but here's the problem. I was in the business of teaching people how to market their businesses. And I was good at it which is why it grew, mm -hmm. but I didn't really care about teaching it. I liked to do it. I didn't like to teach other people to do it for themselves. I just wanted to do it. So this is something that kind of just kept going in the back of my head, like, man, I wish I could do this. I wish I could do this. I wish I could do this. Seven years go by, you know, now 
six years in, I'm miserable teaching. Mm -hmm. And then that's when the lightning strike started happening. Hey, I want to sell this product. It's like, oh, I've always wanted to sell a product. And that was kind of how it transitioned from teaching to just being part of this other product. Now, with regards to that's from a business perspective, mm -hmm. but from a mission perspective, it also is perfect because I met Vani when she started to become an activist. And some of the things she was saying as part of her activism, like getting rid of these useless ingredients from products and, 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 and all that, really resonated with me. Like, I didn't understand why you could pick up Pedialyte, as an example, and they add artificial coloring into a product. It doesn't do anything for the consumer. It just makes it look like a different color on the shelf. So I think it was Pedialyte. I don't want to throw any specific brand under the bus, but I'm pretty sure that was one of the brands that had artificial coloring in it. So if it's not that, I'm sorry. I, I, I named the wrong brand. But call it Gatorade. Call it whatever. whatever There's whatever, something out there. Some colored drink that had artificial coloring in it that didn't taste like anything, and they were adding it, and this was really bothering me. Mm -hmm. So it was something I was already interested in, and it's how I met Vani, my other co-founder originally, is because she was doing the activism. I was like, yeah, that's right. Why would they do that? So it was like germinating in the back of my head. And then, like I said, the lightning strikes. Now we're in business. Well, that's a pretty major pivot. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you've got hundreds of thousands of subscribers. Yes. I'm guessing hundreds or thousands of paying customers. Yeah, I think at the height, we were tens of thousands of paying customers. But yeah, it was a lot. And, and you shut it down. I did. I did. And I remember at that time the conversation I had with my wife, or I think we were just getting, yeah, we were, we were just married. Okay. Um, she was like, you're gonna just stop doing all that? What do you mean? <laughs> what, well, what do you, where's the income gonna come from? I'm like, yeah, you know, I'm gonna go do this other thing. Was I, that I, scary for her? Um, she was there when I, you know, she already knew that if I was willing to drop it and never think about it again, that there was no chance the next thing wasn't gonna do well also. So, so she, she had huge confidence in you. Yeah, definitely. She wasn't worried about the result, but believe me, there was no shortage of people who told me, why wouldn't you just do both? Why not just do this and this? Why not just automate it? Why not just hire someone to handle it? And I always told people, that, and it's this one quote, I'm not the person that wants to dig a hundred one-foot holes. I want to dig one 100-foot hole. It comes to like this, I think it was an Andrew Carnegie quote where he said, the best thing you can do in business is to put all your eggs in one basket and then watch that basket. So I've always been that person. I don't do multiple things at once. When I wanted to do something else, the fact that I wanted to do something else was reason enough for me to never do the other thing ever again. Because I knew that if I did both at the same time, I was just gonna do both poorly. So you, you very much subscribe to the essentialism, very focused school of thought that, that focuses on you know, depth, not breadth. Yeah, I always tell people, they ask me to describe myself, and I got some good one-liners here and there, but if I had to really break it down, I always say I'm 99% useless, but the 1% when I'm not, I'm extremely dangerous. And 
I am the living example of that to the T. Like, I don't even know how to turn on my stove as an example. Like, I'm completely worthless when it comes to basically every aspect of my life except for the one thing that I'm currently thinking about. And one of the jokes, this is going to make me either be really likable or really hateable. Uh, like, I barely know how to use those apps to order food. So when I want to order food, I usually just text my wife. I'm like, food, and she orders it. <laughs> so it's like, you know, it's the living embodiment of a cartoon character. I mean, in some ways, it sounds like something to laugh at. But I think, you know, most successful business people, you know, entrepreneurs, executives, reach a level where their focus is so valuable that things like ordering food just become, uh, it's not just that it's a nuisance, it's actually that it's a distraction from the yeah. valuable focus yes. that can be put elsewhere. Yes. Um, and so I feel like one of the really important evolutions that every successful business person has to go through is you know, learning how to, how to delegate on so many of the small things to clear yeah. up brain space for that focus. And people dig those multiple holes. It's, it's so funny to me because the reason why people do things, well, like a lot of things at once, is they're scared of losing out on what if one of these things is big, right? So they end up digging all these different holes because they don't want to leave potential loss on the table. It's rooted in psychology, right? People are more motivated by loss aversion than, yeah. than going after the, the gains. But that's the reason why they don't succeed. If you're doing, if, if you're a consultant and you have a product and you work a full-time job and, and you play music and you want to be a comedian and you want to do this and you have all these different things, how's, how arrogant are you that you think you can do all of those things? Yeah, super valid question. So I look at it from the perspective they do it because they think that's optimizing their chances for success. It's actually guaranteeing their chance of failure in my eyes which is why I've always doubled down on the one thing. Because when you're doing one thing, you only have one option. It's gotta work. So what did the one thing become as you made this pivot over to Truvani? A lot, well, there's no one thing that, that creates like an e-com business or a CPG mm -hmm. company where you're manufacturing your own stuff, making So Truvani is the one thing. Truvani is the one thing. Yep. And then, to really grow the company, it became about finding people to bring on the team that could make Truvani, one aspect of Truvani, their one thing. Mm -hmm. Like in that first year, it, it, the founders are wearing multiple hats and you're hiring support staff and other people to help you do your thing. But eventually, as you want to scale, you have to really focus on building the team. And this is something that Devin, my other co-founder, and I really talked about in depth where we're like, if we want to keep growing Truvani at the pace that we're growing, we can't keep doing everything ourselves. We have to put VPs in charge to get things going. So over the last, you know, we're only in business for three years now. Mm -hmm. We just hit three years, uh, February. Yep. So we had a, over the last year and a half, we really focused on building our VP team. We had a VP of marketing, mm -hmm. VP, you know, we have a VP of sales. We got a director of technology. We got we have a head of call center. You know, we kind of built up this team to put people in charge of different areas so that it didn't have to be us anymore. So you can focus on where you need to focus. Correct. And that's really tough for people, especially as they're scaling. 
I think focusing on the one thing in the beginning, if we go kind of back a few steps, I know a lot of people are just getting started. So if you're, if you're kind of looking at it from their perspective, we always, I always tell people that there's a million things to do you can do to start a business. But at the end of the day, you only need to do really one thing, which is find people who want to buy your product and then get their attention. That's it. Once you have the product already. Mm -hmm. If you don't have a product, your one thing is make a really good product. Then it's go find the people that want it and then get their attention. And in the first year, you know, we didn't have an Instagram. We didn't do social media organic stuff. We didn't do any of that. All we did was create sales pages that talked about our products and put advertising to those pages and built an email list basically. Yep. We didn't do all this TikTok and Pinterest and all this other stuff that I, you know, I think it took us a year before we even got an Instagram page, to be honest with you. Yeah, I, I actually ascribe to that same, that same approach. So many people starting out in business feel like they need to, you know, go implement a Gary Vee strategy where they're on every platform and they're posting multiple times per day oh. and they have this content team and this, that, and the other. And, and I look at that and I step back and I say, no, it actually makes a lot more sense when you're young, you're a young startup who just needs sales. Yeah. Just focus on sales. Just one thing. That's yep. it. Once that's coming in the door, then you can start to layer on additional layers. And eventually, you're working your way toward you know, building a household brand that everyone knows and trusts. And you're on all the platforms and all that stuff. But that comes later. Yeah. We just started Instagram. Like We got Instagram a year later, but we didn't double down on it until like probably a year and a half ago. Like We were already in business for 18 months, and Instagram was useless to us. We didn't do anything with it. Now it's a focus. But... Then, in the beginning, it wasn't. It was just, hey, get people to buy our product because we knew it was a really good product. So now you guys are at this point where you know, you're embarking on a campaign with us at Harmon Brothers. What went into that decision? The way I want to answer this question, I want to boil this down to, I want to give you the answer that you're looking for because I know you want to ask kind of why we're using, working with Harmon. But I also want to think about the people who are listening right now. Yeah, and focus on them. Everything that I have done in my life can boil down to one sentence. I can do that too. That's it. I can do that too. And when I wanted to start this CPG company, I didn't have any experience in making products or, or selling them online you know, for my own brand. But I saw other people doing it, and I was like, I can do that too. Or... I didn't think that I would have more than five SKUs at first, and now we've got over 20. Because other people did it, I can do that too. Why did I work with Harmon? Well, as we want to scale the brand, I had, we realized as a team, Vani, Dev, and I, we all realized that we're doing something great with our products. We believe in them. I always jokingly tell people, I live a Truvani life, dude. I wake up. I brush my teeth with Truvani toothpaste. I wear Truvani deodorant. I use my first drink of the day as a chocolate mocha protein plus energy Truvani smoothie. And I'm living that life. You know what I mean? I use all the products that we create and I'm happy to use them. I don't just use them because I make them. I, I actually want to use them. Because they're great. Because they're great. So we want to get our product into every household in the U.S. Mm -hmm. Eventually the world. But for right now, we're keeping it small. Only 300 million people, <laughs> right? Uh, and... The reason why I wanted to work with Harmon comes down to the idea that our mission, our, our goal, is to make cleaner products for people. 
And it's something that we believe in as a company. It's something that we believe in as founders. It's something that our team believes in. Like some of our, you know, you want to talk about super fans? Our, our employees are super fans of our customers. Like we have one person on our customer service team that we just launched a new snack bar. And she's telling it how she was at a, her kid's soccer game and she gave it to the head of the, the soccer league that her kid's in just because she feels like wanting to promote the brand, right? We have evangelists. Yep. So that message of cleaner ingredients, we wanted to make more applicable to everybody. Because right now we have a lot of activists and people who really care, the people who look at the label and they see those weasel ingredients that companies use. But if I go in New York City, which is where I live, and I'm walking down the street and I stop random Joe walking down the street, he may not care. I want to make everyone care. I wanted to work with Harmon because one of the ways to get people's attention is through humor. And once you kind of get people laughing, they're more open to learning new ideas. So I wanted to work with Harmon because you guys used humor to get attention and then kind of put the messages that you wanted after the fact. Yeah, the, the humor and entertainment hold the attention and allow you the time to weave in the education yes. and the sales. Yes, and we, it came as no small decision to work with Harmon because at the end of the day, if you're looking at Harmon as a brand, you guys are probably the most expensive in, in, in the space. But on the other hand, you guys are also, I feel, doing some of the best work in the space. I've been in marketing and advertising my whole adult life. I'm the guy that, has, that buys old magazines to rip the ads out of them. You study it. Yeah, I've been studying ads forever. Direct mail ads, online, whatever ad it is. If you go in my, if you go in my house right now, I've got like, ads that are 100 years old. Like I got this one ad, it's actually framed. It's, a, it's about the Remington portable typewriter. <laughs> and awesome. It, it's this guy sitting in a field surrounded by trees with a Remington portable typewriter on his lap and like typing. I was like, oh, look, the first laptop. Right? That's so awesome. And it's like in this case that you can kind of close up or whatever. And so I, I'm the guy that like studies advertising. Mm-hmm. And I... Over the last few years, I've been aware of Harmon because your, your videos get views. You know, once you start to see a video with 100 million views, you're like, oh, shit, who are those people? Yeah. So you start to look at it. You learn, oh, this is Harmon. Then you start to spot Harmon ads. Mm-hmm. And a lot of those ads were things that I have saved over the last 10 years. I think you guys are around for about eight years or something, right? Yeah, we're about to hit eight years. Yep. So once you started to release them, I actually remember one of your first hit ads, I think, was that Aura Brush ad. Mm-hmm. I that, that one actually preceded Harmon Brothers as an agency, but it was Jeff and Daniel and Neil Harmon who built that. Okay, so I knew about that ad when that ad was going viral at the yep. time. Yep. And I was like, I saw that ad, I was like, who made that ad? And that was when you guys first kind of popped yep. on my radar is when I found that first ad. And so I've been studying the work for a while because I'm an ad fanatic. Mm-hmm. And I knew that one day with the CPG company, I'd want to work with you guys. And that was just kind of the the genesis of how this happened. Well, it's so interesting because, you know, of all the companies that come across our desk, there's a pretty large percentage of them who show up thinking that great marketing is going to be their silver bullet. Yeah. But if we're being honest, they either have a mediocre product or they have a mediocre team or whatever it is. And we just look at those and we say, no, 
the, yeah. the perfect combination is world-class products mixed with world-class teams, mixed with world-class marketing. And that's the formula that creates these super successes where, you know, you see like a, a Lumi deodorant, for instance, did $1.5 million in 2018 to $25 million in 2019 to $45 million in 2020. And now they're tracking it over $100 million. Uh, this year, like to get that kind of crazy success, um, you have to have all those components, the great product, the great team and the the great marketing. So it's always a pleasure to get to partner up with people like yourself who are making these amazing world-class products that we can, you know, put our full passion behind and, and try to kind of take on the DNA of the brand that you've built once we can internalize that and then we can really passionately share it with the world and and that's where it gets fun you have to feel in alignment with what you're talking about right if you don't for me we had one product that we launched that at first we kind of liked it but it wasn't really the best supply chain was hard the reviews like out of 10 people who would try it two people would love it two people would mediocre it and then six people would hate it so it wasn't the product wasn't nailed it wasn't nailed we canceled it we didn't just can by the way it was still making sizable revenues at the time every month we'd rather cancel it mm-hmm. because we want to make products that we're proud to put out into the world that people are proud to use that people are not scared to share with their friends and it's one of the reasons why one of our best performing uh, deals is we actually did an anniversary deal recently where we gave people 50% off the first month of subscription. So if you, got a, mm-hmm. if you, if you hopped on auto delivery, you have 50% off the first month. It's a very aggressive offer, yep. and you, we lose money on those orders, basically. But it's betting on the long-term relationship. It's betting on the fact that I know that they're going to try this product, and then they're a customer for life. Like, when's the last time you changed you know, your favorite snack food or deodorant or toothpaste. You use the same stuff all the time, probably. Mm-hmm. So once you get them hooked and you have a really good product that they believe in, we're willing to take a loss up front because I know you're going to use the product. I know you're going to love the product. And I know you're going to keep buying the product. Derek, I want to be respectful of your time. But before we wrap this up, I want to give you an opportunity. What one piece of advice do you have for the entrepreneurs who are just getting started in this game? How do I say this without offending basically everybody in the world? (laughs) Uh, Do me a favor. If you're starting a new product, make a good product, of course. Once you start building your marketing team, realize that there's only really three types of customers. There's no such thing as more than three types of customers. There's informed customers, there's afflicted customers, and there's oblivious customers. Informed customers know about your product and who you are and your competitors. Afflicted know about their own problem and the problem they're trying to solve. And oblivious customers are just walking through life with blinders on. They might have problems, but they don't even realize it's a solvable problem. Mm -hmm. Or Or they might not even be aware that the problem exists. Yeah, they might be having the problem and not even realize it's a problem at all. They just think it's life. Yep. Right? So when you're going through your marketing, you need to talk to the oblivious customer first. Most people who start businesses talk to informed customers first, the people who already know. You're at that preaching point, to the choir. You're preaching to people who already know the answer. That's a hard sell for a startup because now you're preaching to someone to get them to switch. 
Getting a switch is a lot harder than convincing someone to try something for the first time in my experience. So always sell to an oblivious customer. But here's where the part that I think I'm going to offend most people is a lot of people hire ad agencies or, or marketing agencies or email marketing companies or copywriters that are freelancers and they hire these amateurs that just don't break this down into this simple format. They usually get people that are like, well, you should spend 95% of your budget on remarketing, right? Which is selling to inform customers. Mm -hmm. But if you look at any business that has ever scaled, you don't scale a business off retargeting the people who already visited your website. Yeah. We don't even have a remarketing budget at Truvani. We don't use remarketing. We just target the United States, right? We want to target the biggest blanket that we can and convince more and more people to try the product. That's where growth is. And I find a lot of people are not going where the growth is. They're focusing on what they believe is low-hanging fruit. Mm -hmm. But what they're doing is, is wasting their time on these smaller segments. Now, the reason why I think a lot of ad agencies and cop freelancers all focus on those low-hanging fruit because it's easy for them. It's very easy. It's easy to get that trackable ROI that, that makes everyone feel good and say, oh, yeah, we're successful. Yeah, but you're not going to do anything with that. You're not going to grow. You're not going to... You're not going to grow like Truvani, or you're not going to grow like Lumi, or you're not going to grow like that. You're going you're gonna to grow a very, you're going to grow a lifestyle business. Mm -hmm. And so that's the first thing, is focusing on these three types of customers, always sell to the oblivious customer. The second thing is, is we kind of touched on this earlier, is don't be afraid to put all your eggs in one basket, as Carnegie says, and watch that basket. This doesn't mean you should have a business idea and then quit your job, right? Don't put yourself into financial straits to do something. Because if you do that, you're probably going to fail because you're going to make bad decisions. But if you have a way you're making money and you want to do something else, that's the only other thing you're doing, right? That's your hobby. You have your current income stream, you have your one hobby, and then you have your, your family, right? You can't do anything else. It's focus. Yeah, that's it. And I think that will do most people pretty well. And I just look back at my own life. I've never done something that wasn't successful within 12 months of starting it because of the focus. Mm -hmm. So like when I first did my first everything was an entertainment site, started, made no money for the first nine months. Then the next three months, I made a ton of money. I made even more after that, right? Because it's 12 months to get started. When I did the, the, the teaching marketing training stuff, I remember I launched in March of 2011. I was making a ton of money by April 2012, a year later. With Trevani, we started. We kind of started pretty good, but you know, a year later, we're crushing. You always got to devote that to be your one thing. Man, Derek, thank you for coming on the show, sharing your experience, your wisdom with us. It's been great to get to know you. Where can our listeners stay in touch with you? The best way you can stay in touch with me is to go to Trevani.com and try one of our products. And the reason why I say that is because I don't actually create content anymore. There's no other way to get any, like if you want to see anything that I may have written, it's probably going to be on the Truvani site. If you're trying to get like personal stuff, I would say go to my Instagram at Derek Halpern, but I don't think, I update my Instagram once every three months, if that. So it's focus. Yeah, like I, when I said I focus on things, Truvani's the focus. That would be the best way to see what we're up to. I don't ever kind of separate my, uh, my attention. Okay. 
All right, you heard it here. Derek Halpern, Truvani.com. Thanks for being on, on today. We really appreciate it. Hey, thanks for having me. It was fun. And if you like what you heard, make sure to subscribe to the show, comment, share it with your friends, and we'll see you on the next one. Want to learn the tricks of our trade? We have them all laid out in our courses on Harmon Brothers University. This isn't surface level stuff here. This is our entire playbook, all our secrets laid out in full, the same training we give our own employees. You'll find courses on ad buying, writing video scripts to sell your product or service, creating the kind of large production ads we're known for, even making short ads using nothing but your cell phone. If you're looking to use video marketing to take your business to the next level, Harmon Brothers University has the course for you. Our students have seen incredible growth in their businesses by implementing what they learned in our courses. Take these reviews as living proof. We've now got multiple campaigns that are in the millions of views and in the multiple millions of dollars in sales. Within a week, we're close to 10 million views, over a million in sales, and most impressively, we've covered 100% of the production costs in the first 24 hours of releasing it. We saw immediate results. Sales went up 10x the first day. The first video we did is over 30 million views. The most customers that we've ever acquired in a single month. I think we had about 26,000 new customers. Go to HarmanBrothersUniversity.com to start accelerating your business's growth with video.